You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. Learn how the power of the Holy Spirit leads us to praise God in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. This whole series actually is about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in this new series entitled Behind the Scene. Okay? Uh, subtitled, Looking Beyond What the Eyes can see. And how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is actively moving in our midst every day? Amen. You may not see the Holy Spirit, but He's actively participating in the midst and in the affairs of His people, our families, our church, our nation. We are now looking at the, you know, the beginning of this series for the next four weeks. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And we are still in the book of Acts. Uh, we have actually gone through the book of Acts when we did the Enact series. How many of you enjoyed that series on Enact? How many of you are propelled and inspired to go to missions? Come on now. Ready to go to the nations? That's why you got to prepare and you've got to get your, uh, your passports. Get your passports ready because I believe that God will send some of us to the nations. And so we're still on the book of Acts. The book of Acts is actually known as the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it's also known as the Acts of the Church. But some scholars are saying that it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, though the Holy Spirit is moving behind the scene, we see that the church uh, was established because of the work of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus went to heaven, uh, He ascended into heaven and He said, Do not leave yet, but wait till you receive power from on high, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, what he's saying is, wait first. Everybody say, wait. Okay? Because there's more than just, uh, you know, the, of course, the ministry of Jesus is complete, but the Holy Spirit's task is to continue what Jesus has started here on earth. Now that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit is right here even as we speak. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is here? The Bible says He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. How many of you are glad that God is always with us? Amen. And He is not against us. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly moving. And we see that in the, in the book of Acts, from uh, the time that they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit until the end of the book of Acts, actually we're still in the New Testament right now as we speak, as we do church, as you work, as you go to school, the Holy Spirit is with us. So we're going to be unpacking what the Holy Spirit's role is for all of us. And so, um, the objective for our series, at the end of this series, our people will learn to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say power. power. The Holy Spirit is not just a force. He is not just an it. He is a person. He is God Himself. He is one of the persons of the Godhead, the Trinity. Okay, And so, we're going to look at that in a while. And so we will learn to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit as they proclaim the gospel. And definitely when you talk about power, there's always a purpose with the power that's given to us. We're not just given power so that we can enjoy the power. We're not just given power so that we can make wealth. We're not just given power so that we can actually look good. We're not just given power so that we can actually be successful. But there's always a reason behind why God has endued His disciples with power. And that is to ultimately proclaim Christ and glorify His name. That is the reason why we were given the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our focus for this morning is the healer. The healer. Everybody say the healer. How many of you uh, sometimes get sick? Please raise your hand. 
All right, that's all of us, right? In fact, I actually uh, woke up this morning with, I don't know, with a uh, hem in my throat. Okay, I don't know what you call that. It's not really a cough yet, but it's developing. But I'm claiming the power and the healing of the Holy Spirit. And we, we believe in healing. We believe in doctors as well. How many of you know that doctors are also used by God for healing? Amen. So we're not saying that we don't believe in medicine anymore. We're not saying that we don't believe in, in doctors or operations, but we do believe that the Holy Spirit is the primary agent in the healing process. He may use a doctor or maybe a medicine in healing someone, but I believe that more than that, He Himself can actually heal. And we've seen that and we've heard some of the accounts of people actually getting healed without taking any medicine. Of course, if you are taking regular meds, Consult your doctor, okay? Uh, we don't want you to be irresponsible, but we do believe that by faith, the Holy Spirit is always at work in us. Just to give us a brief introduction of the Holy Spirit, two words that we will see in Hebrew and in Greek, okay? He's known as Ruach in Hebrew and Pneuma in Greek, okay? And so if you look at the Old Testament, we also see that the Old Testament already has the Holy Spirit there. The Spirit of God moving in the Old Testament. Okay, but was made complete in the New Testament. Neuma in the Greek, both words can refer to wind or breath. The idea is to express energy. Everybody say energy. Motion, life, and activity. So that's exactly what we mean when you talk about the Holy Spirit. You don't really see the person of the Holy Spirit being distinctly uh, called out in, in the Bible, but you actually see the active work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's exactly who He is. He's active in us. He's got, you know, he's the one that breathes life in us. Okay? He's the one that, uh, you know, is in charge of all the activities. Uh, he is the third person of the Trinity. As I said earlier, he's not a force. He is not an it. He is a he. He is a divine person. He is co-equal with the Father. He is co-equal with the Son. They coexist together. They're distinct. They're equal. But yet he has his own person, the Holy Spirit. If the Father is the Father... And the Son is the Son, the Holy Spirit is not the Mother, okay, by the way. Okay? I want to I just clarify that. Okay? Because sometimes you look at that and, Ano ba talaga Holy Spirit? Mama ba talaga siya? Di ba? No, actually, He is uh, one. And, and I'm using the pronoun He, referring to the gender, masculine gender, because that's the description of, of God. He being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shares the same essence as the Father and the Son. In fact, sometimes we can interchangeably use the Spirit of God, which refers to the Father, but yet they're not one and the same. They have their own unique identity. And the Spirit of Christ is also used, and that's also possible. We have the Spirit of Christ in us. Amen. Turn to the person beside you and tell that person, you have the Spirit of Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. So, yet, Christ, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are two distinct persons. They're not one and the same. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. But yet, how many God do we have? One God. How many persons? Three persons in the Godhead. Okay? And so, they are... Coexistent, co-equal, okay, and they have the same divine nature. They are omnipotent, they are omnipresent, and they are omniscient, okay. They are all-knowing. 
so that we can understand that the Holy Spirit is not just a, an appendix in the Bible. You know, just to help us understand in the Old Testament, from the beginning of time, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Where the name of God appears here, the name of God here means Elohim. Okay? Elohim refers to the plural uh, pronoun, which really talks about the Trinity. Moving already in the beginning of time, that it was not just the Father who is there in the creating uh, of the earth, but the, the Trinity, the Godhead, is actively participating in the creation. Uh, in verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And what's the next uh, sentence? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Here we can see that even from the time of creation, the Holy Spirit has already been there. He is an active participant in the creation of, of everything. Okay, In verse uh, 26, if you can jump there, Then God said, Elohim, let us... He didn't say, let me. He said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness. Was God talking to the angels when he created this? And he said, okay, let us make man in our image. How many of you know that we're not created in the image of angels? Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you don't look like an angel. But guess what? You were created in the image of God. In the image of God, we are created. Amen. And what does that mean? To be created in the image of God. God is spirit. He's got no body. But yet, the body that was created in Adam was a perfect body. The body that was very healthy. The body that was supposed to live forever. But yet, the aspect that we were created the same as God is that of His spirit. Amen. We were created in the same way. And we are distinct from all the creation that God made. All the animals, they only have mortal bodies. Your dog... He's not going to heaven with you. Uh, he doesn't possess a soul. Maybe there are different creatures out there. Okay, of course, we see that in the book of Revelation, there are different heavenly creatures. Okay? Who knows? There might be a creature that looks like a dog. Okay? So, just anyway, just adopt that. But, but we were created in a sense that we have the Spirit of God in us. We have a soul. We don't have just a body. We have a soul and a spirit. Amen. We have mental capabilities. Okay? How many of you have mental capabilities? And you're using it 100% of the time or sometimes uh, rarely, <laughs> rarely used? Slightly used? We were made to be rational. We're supposed to have intellect. That's our you know, distinct uh, difference between us and the animals. They actually... Most of the animals have instinct. They don't have mental abilities. They have instinct. We're, we have morality. We have, we're moral beings. We're conscious of what's right and what's wrong. Isn't it? We're called to be righteous. We're called to be holy. We're called to have a conscience. That's our difference between us and the animals. We're built socially. We're built for fellowship and communities. We're, we're built to have relationships with one another. We, we can't survive just being alone. And so that's the aspect of God that we're the same. When, when God said, let us make man in our image and likeness, we're made like Him. 
We did not come from monkeys, by the way. We did not evolve from monkeys. God created man. And in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, He breathed life in Adam. There was the breath of God that was put in Adam that made us unique from all of creation. Amen. And that's who we are, the way you look at yourself in the mirror. Hey, don't look down your, on yourself. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. Come on now. Come on, give the Lord praise. We can actually thank the Lord. Lord, thank you so much. You created me in your image and your likeness. Of course, sin marred that, but you know, that's, that's another topic. That's why the Holy Spirit has always been in charge of convicting and changing us and redeeming us and sanctifying us. We see the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the work of the Holy Spirit in us. You and I are being sanctified every single day. Yes, we've fallen before the eyes of a holy God, but yet God is doing a mighty work in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that more in a few weeks' time. You know, we see also in Exodus chapter 35, the power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit would impart to us some gifts. Here we see that in the account of uh, Moses, uh, then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, or Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God. Once there is an infilling of the Spirit of God, how many of you know there's always a manifestation of the Spirit of God? You don't just get filled with the Spirit of God and do nothing. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, people will recognize that you have the infilling of the Spirit of God. Right? And so what was a manifestation in the case of Bezalel? Okay? With skill, with intelligence. How many of you know that intellect comes from the Spirit of God? Amen? With knowledge and with all craftsmanship. Here we see a very you know, excellent person. It's not because he's, you know, he's good, but it was because the Spirit of God came upon him. Zechariah 4, 6, if you're familiar with that particular text, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit's activity in the Old Testament is powerful, but yet not complete. And the prophetic words were always looking forward to the revelation of the, or the coming of age of the Holy Spirit. That's why it was prophesied even in, the, in Joel, in the book of Acts chapter 2, that in the last days, you know, He will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And my sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Old men will dream dreams. And so we see that there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now that we are in the New Testament, we're still in the New Testament, by the way. We're living in the age of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is freely moving in us. We see that also in John chapter 14. When Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. In Greek, it's called parakletos, helper. Okay? Comforter, advocate, one that helps us to be with you forever. In other words, when Jesus was saying goodbye to His disciples, don't worry. Because if I go, the Holy Spirit is coming to be with you. And in verse 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him, you know Him for He dwells with you and will be with you. John chapter 15, But when the healer comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness 
about me. The Holy Spirit is the one that bears witness about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is calling us to be witnesses for Jesus. That's why Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the rest of the earth, but yet we can only witness to the extent that the Holy Spirit witnesses Christ to us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm taking this time to give an introduction and a foundation so that we will understand the Holy Spirit is God Himself. And so that when we look at all the different stories in the book of Acts, ah, okay, it makes sense because that is definitely the work of the Holy Spirit. But we see that the Holy Spirit has been here not only when the Pentecost came, but even at the foundations of the earth, the Holy Spirit has actually been at work. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever experienced brownout? You know, what happens when there's no power or when there's no electricity? Sad? No aircon? No Facebook? You cannot do like, like, like? No Aldab? What else? You, know, you can't do anything, right? Or your, your activities are limited. And so, you know, when there's no power, you know, we cannot charge cell phones. We cannot connect to people. You know, there's so many things nowadays that we actually depend too much on power with. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no power. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do anything that God is calling us to do. Amen. Whether you're one who is a pastor in a church or whether you're a business person or whether you're an employee or whether you're one who's a single professional who came from the singles getaway and always says, woohoo, and, uh, you, you know, uh, or maybe you're a student here, guess what? Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Apart from Him, we cannot do anything. That's why we see this verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that power is meant for a purpose. It is not just so that we can enjoy having that fuzzy feeling of, Hi, the Holy Spirit is with me. You know, it is not just for that purpose. It is not just for the purpose of, you know, having goosebumps or maybe having your hair stand at the back of your neck, you know, and the Holy Spirit is with me, you know. It is meant for a purpose. And the purpose is what? So that we can be witnesses. A witness is someone who testifies. A witness is someone who talks about some things that he experienced. Some things he's heard. Some things that he's learned. That's why this is the next four weeks we're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3. In the story of, in the Bible, wherein there was healing, Acts chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. Uh, this morning, I actually put this uh, a text in the PowerPoint or the keynote so that we can, you know, our visitors can actually follow along. Uh, for those of you who have your Bibles, go still go ahead and open your Bibles and follow along as I read. And for those of you who are guests, uh, we'd love for you to read along with us. We're reading from the ESV version. Let's begin from uh, verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So the ninth hour is not really 9 o'clock. It's 3 p.m. Okay, so in the Jewish uh, time, whatever, zone, they start from 6 a.m. The ninth hour will become a, a three, 3 o'clock habit, okay? And the lame man or the man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. Not really sure why it's called the beautiful gate. Maybe it's really 
beautiful. To ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed the gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the ministry of your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would anoint the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to listen to what you have to say to us and how we can apply this word of truth in our own personal lives. I thank you that you will illuminate your word Encourage your people, God. I thank you that you will comfort those who are afflicted today. Lord, encourage them. Lift up their face, Lord God. And I thank you that you will continue to reveal yourself to us as you reveal Christ's work in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. I have a simple message this morning. And basically this, you know, this talks about power with a purpose. And, you know, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit definitely gives us power as I uh, mentioned earlier. And that power is meant for a purpose. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be a witness. The purpose really is to become a witness for Jesus. And what's the power for? It's the power to preach. And these are the three points. The power to minister and the power to lead. Let's look at the first point. Okay, Power to preach. Everybody say power to preach. How many of you know that the power to preach is not just given to preachers or pastors? But it's given to every one of us. You know, when you talk about preaching, preaching is actually a declaration of who Jesus is. It's as it's, 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 uh, simple as that. It's when you open up your mouth and you tell people what Christ has done to you and for you. And how many of you would agree with me that Christ, our Jesus, is so good to us? He did something in us. Amen. He is, you know, how many of you have experienced something positive from the Lord? So that's exactly the starting point. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And you, what you're saying is, you know, you're just merely declaring Jesus to whoever you're meeting with. And so we see this in verse 4. And, you know, the, the context of this is when Peter and John were entering this uh, temple, they were actually ready to minister in the temple. Now, you've got to realize that the temple in those days represents the presence of God. Of course, in the Old Testament, it is where the, the manifest presence of God dwells during the time of Moses, during the time of David, uh, in the time of Solomon. And so the, he made this temple. And uh, at that time, they were on their way to the temple. And there was this lame beggar who was lame from birth. And the Bible says he was about 40 years. You will see that, I think, uh, referenced in Acts chapter 4, 
verse 22, if I'm not mistaken, that this beggar was actually about 40 years old when he was, you know, he was met by Peter and John. Now, when you look at the number 40, you would find out that the number 40 talks about testings. There's so many references of 40 in the Bible, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days uh, in, in Noah's ark, you know, 40 days and nights uh, that it was raining. And so it was a time of uh, testing. But every time the Lord tests us, there's always a manifestation of His glory right after. It, it, you know, it, definitely, how many of you know that the testing of God does not last forever? Amen. How many of you would like the testing of God to last forever? Well, naman, di ba? But the main purpose of God testing us is to, is to test what's in our hearts and to teach us a lesson about Himself. And so here we see that the, the lame beggar who was lame for 40 years has been sitting in front of the temple or the gate beautiful. You know, we don't even know who brings him there. The Bible just said, you know, he was brought there. Maybe his family brings him there. Okay, magtrabaho ka naman. Okay, or whatever. Okay, make yourself useful. Okay, and so I'm not sure who brings him there. Maybe families, friends, or whatever. You know, or, I don't think he, there's a syndicate there. Okay, that brings him there. Okay, and then afterwards, okay, hati hati lang, whatever. I'm not really sure, but somehow we see that the beggar is there for one purpose. It's to ask for alms. To ask for help, a dole out. Okay? And so when Peter and John saw him, inunahan nila. Wala kaming pera. Don't use that as an excuse not to help. Okay? Because what Peter and John was offering is something better that money cannot buy. Amen. And so here we see Peter directed his gaze at him as did John, and he said, look at us. Everybody say, look at us. What Peter and John were saying is, give us your full attention because this is something important that you've got to learn. I mean, if they're not interested in helping the man, then they could have just passed and did not talk to the man. I am assuming there's probably dozens of sick people there in that temple who are also asking for alms. There are dozens of sick people uh, around Israel at that time. And why is it that they've zeroed in on this lame beggar on one afternoon at 3 p.m. when they were about to enter the temple. I believe this was a divine appointment from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And many times, the Holy Spirit disrupts our activities. The Holy Spirit many times disrupts your schedule. How many of you have actually experienced that? You've made a schedule and God changed or messed up our schedule. We've had that. It's not just sometimes a weekly calendar that He changed. He changed the course of our life. Amen. That is same for you and for me. You know, we have plans that we've made. And yet, many times God moves supernaturally and sovereignly in the affairs of man. And He directs us. That's why this, you know, this director's chair that you see here is really representing of God Himself. Because behind the scene. Even if you don't see it, even if you don't, even if we're not aware of it, God is moving. Tell the person beside you, tell the person, God is moving. He knows your circumstances. Tell the person, He knows your circumstances. And God knows the situation of this lame beggar. God knows that this is the appointed time for this man to finally get up and walk. And so Peter and John said, Look at us. And He fixed His attention on them. What was his expectation? That he will receive something from them. Of course, when you talk to a beggar, you know, and you say, 
uh, uh, boy or whatever, okay? Uh, look at me. Okay, uh, di ba? Gagano yan eh. Okay? He's expecting a doll out. He's expecting that you're gonna give him because you call his attention. He was there for a purpose. And since you're calling his attention, maybe what he's saying, okay, it worked. I'm gonna get a doll out. But yet Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I think he's getting a better offer than just silver and gold. The man is actually just begging for alms, begging for you know, a doll out, begging for something that can actually sustain him for a day, maybe a day or two. But God has something better to offer to him, and it's not just to sustain him for a day or two, but to sustain him for life. Amen. And life more you know, t- eternal. God wants to do something new in the life of that beggar. Maybe that beggar was not expecting himself to, to be touched by Peter and John or by God himself. Maybe the beggar was just, you know, maybe content or satisfied with his life. You know, just staying there, lame for about 40 years. He's probably looking at his circumstance. Well, what can change? I've been like this from the day I was born. And what can change? At least what can change is I have food to eat on the table. You know, some of us are kind of like that beggar. We're looking at our circumstance, and many times you look at us, our circumstance, and it's not just about that lame man not being able to walk, but that lame man was hopeless. That lame man was actually experiencing maybe lack of love, lack of acceptance. You know, uh, being sick in the nation of Israel at that time, you know, some of them are considered unclean. And so he's probably receiving a lot of rejection. There's no hope for him. And maybe some of us are kind of like feeling that, that lame man. It, we may not actually lame physically, but we are lame maybe spiritually. Maybe there's something in us that debilitates us, that stops us from fulfilling what God has for us. Maybe in the spiritual realm, we are lame. Maybe there's something that happened to us years ago that's stopping us from rising up from our circumstances and really enjoying the victory of God. Maybe it's an offense by someone and you've never let go of this unforgiveness and that debilitated you and it incapacitates us and actually it makes us lame and we cannot even move. Maybe it's a failure in your business. Maybe it's a failure in our relationship. Maybe it's a failure. Maybe it's actually a real sickness in the home. Maybe a family member passed away and you cannot move forward with that, because that particular event in your life maimed you and incapacitated us, and it declared us hopeless. And somehow I believe that Jesus, you know, God Himself, the Spirit of God, has seen the, the plight of this man. Amen. And, you know, the enemy always comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. He came to give us life. He came to give us an abundant life, a life that is eternal, a life that is not like compared to any of this life here on earth. And that's exactly what Peter and John are offering, you know, uh, this man. And what he's saying is, silver and gold, I have none, because that was the motivation of that man. He was there because of silver and gold. He was there because of alms. He was there because of something that he needs on a daily basis. Sad to say, people today are always motivated by silver and gold. People today are actually waking up in the morning looking for silver and gold. Looking for work. Looking on how I can actually improve my investment or looking at how I can actually be good in my work. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But if that's the only motivation we have, then maybe we have a wrong priority. You know, what if we don't have silver and gold? In the case of that man, they were not able to give him silver and gold, but they were actually able to offer him something better. And they took that as an opportunity to minister Christ to that man. And he said, in the name of Peter? No. They didn't say in the name of John. They said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up, arise up, and walk. And he thus experienced a miracle right there and then. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, as we move along, finally they went into the temple. They were preaching, Peter and John, and the, the Sanhedrin and the ruling council and the religious leaders actually apprehended them. And they realized that, you know, there's something different about this too. They were bold, but yeah, there's something that's unique to them. And in verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished. How can you have such boldness or courage to preach? How can you have so much clarity in your, in your conviction to preach about this Jesus that you're talking about? And then they realized or they recognized that they have been with Jesus. How many of you know that if we are in Christ, if the Spirit of God is in us, then we can have all the courage and the boldness to declare His goodness. Amen. There's nothing to fear. Wherever you are, you can actually you know, move in boldness because of the Holy Spirit moving through you. We don't even have to be afraid of the words to speak because the Holy Spirit will be the one to enable us to give the right words at the right time. They recognize that they were with Jesus. Even Saul, when he was converted, from a persecutor of the church to becoming the mightiest apostle in the New Testament, you know, he was preaching boldly because of the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 28, So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on. Secondly, power to minister. The Holy Spirit has not only given them the power to preach the gospel, but He's also given them the power to minister, basically the power to heal the sick. And if you are a believer here, I believe that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. And you have the ability to also lay hands on the sick. And I believe they will recover. Amen. How many believers do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. All right. That's great. Okay. You have the Holy Spirit in you. In the same way that Peter and John were able to lay hands on the sick, we can also do the same thing. Verse 7, And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. You know, there's impartation when Peter and John touch this man. I believe in impartation. Every time we lay hands on the sick, there's something that's being transferred to that person. And it's not coming from us, by the way. It's coming from the Spirit of God in us. We are merely conduits. We're merely channels of the blessing of God. When Peter and John touch the man, he basically was able to transfer the power of the Holy Spirit in that man that enabled this man to strengthen his feet and his ankles, and they were made strong. It's not because of Peter's you know, time with the Lord or, you know, his, or his boldness. It's actually the Holy Spirit moving through Peter at that time. In verse 8, it says, And leaping up, he stood up and began to walk. That's the outcome. Of the healing. He stood up and began to walk. In Mark chapter 16, we know that Jesus promised this to all the believers. I asked you earlier, how many of you are believers? And most of you raised your hand. 
These are the signs of those who believe Him. This will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Have you ever seen a demon lately? Yes, Pastor, I live with one. No, no, I'm not talking about that demon, okay? But they will cast out demons. And they will go away. And in verse 18, it says, They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Holy Spirit wants to use you and me to minister healing to the people around us. Pastor, is that really real? Can that happen in the 21st century? I mean, we're in the 20, you know, 2015, going 2016. Is that still applicable for us? Yes, there's no ending date here. You know, when Jesus said, those who believe, they will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. There's no expiration date for the promise of God. Did it say here only until 1988? Or maybe 1960? It didn't say there. It says here, you know, as long as we're still waiting for Jesus Christ to return, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is here moving in us and for us and through us. And we can actually lay hands on the sick. And they can recover. Now, I don't want you to, want to, to be uh, trigger happy and go to every hospital. Okay, right now, in the name of Jesus, you know, get out right now. You know, I don't, you know, that might be weird for some, okay? But I believe that the reason why God has given us this power and this ministry is for a purpose. It's so that ultimately we can minister and we can declare the name of Jesus to the people that we meet. Okay, all of us as believers have the sign, and the sign is really to lay hands on the sick. But there are some who are gifted in healing. We see the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says here in verse 9, To another, he gave faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. There are some Christians that are really gifted in healing. Okay, uh, We have a pastor in, um, in Laguna, Pastor Ernie, who's given that gift of healing. You know, many times, every time he lays his hands on people, I mean, they get healed supernaturally. I mean, obviously, the gift of healing rests upon him. But it doesn't disqualify us from laying hands on the sick. Okay? Now, don't be afraid if the one you lay hands on to became worse before he was healed. Okay? As long as you can minister the, the, you know, the, the God to, to him, then that's, that's fine. Okay? To another, the working of the miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish uh, between spirit, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And I'd like to close with this uh, next uh, point, power to lead. Power to lead. He did not just, you know, Peter and John did not just leave that lame man there walking, you know, ability to, you know, rise up and then leap and then dance. And, you know, he, he actually, they actually led him somewhere. And in verse 8, it says, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, what happened to this man was really amazing because he did not just experience the power of God in his life, but he actually had a transformation of his heart. He was always outside the temple, 
having a different motivation. And now for the first time, he was actually in the temple, you know, which represents the presence of God. Of course, some biblical scholars have said that during that particular time, on the door of the temple was written this word, Ikabod, which means the glory of God has departed. Because people have been there many times and none wear change. If you go to the temple, you leave the temple still like the same way that you enter the temple then. You feel unforgiven. There's no change. There's no power of God that was revealed. There's no manifestation of the Holy Spirit. There's no revelation of who Christ is. But yet when Peter and John and this layman started to walk in the temple, they were bringing with them the presence of God. And how many of you know that if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you wherever you go. You are a bearer of the presence of God. And that's exactly what happened then. Though the presence of God was not in the temple when Peter and John, because they have the Holy Spirit, they preached the gospel and about 5,000 people get saved during that time. What an amazing story. The layman started walking and his life was not the same anymore. Even others were saying, isn't this the lame man that was waiting outside? And somehow his testimony was used for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thus you see in Luke chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I believe God wants to minister to many of us this morning. God wants to set us free. He wants to proclaim freedom for the captives. He wants to declare favor of the Lord to be upon us. Can we just bow our heads right now as we come to a close? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you are here and you can relate with that lame man. And you have been in that particular condition and nothing has changed for many years. But Jesus is saying to us today that He's offering His, his acceptance. He's offering His forgiveness. He's offering, he's offering the gift of eternal life. He's offering what man cannot offer. The world is offering all these riches, all the silver and the gold. But Jesus is offering something unique, something that He has actually purchased for us at the cross, and that is eternal life. And as all heads are bowed down, all eyes closed, if you are here this morning, and if you want to receive the forgiving and the merciful love of God upon your life, if you want to receive eternal life, Jesus, the Spirit of God, is knocking at the door of your heart even right now and asking that you let Him in. And if you are here this morning, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, with nobody looking around, I want you to raise up your hand right now as an act of surrender. What you're saying is, Lord, I need you. I need you to change my life. I need you to touch me. There's something in me that is not right. And by you raising up your hand, what you're saying is the Holy Spirit wants to move into your life and help you and give you the necessary, the, the power. The, the, it's not you changing yourself. It's the Holy Spirit moving in you and changing you. If you do want to receive 
forgiveness and the power of God in your life, just lift up your hand right now. Yes. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift it up right now. Just be bold in doing this. I believe the Spirit of God is here. Yes, I see several hands being raised. This is the most important decision that anyone can ever make in his life. This talks about eternal destination. This talks about where we will spend our life in eternity. And you raising up your hand is acknowledging of your need for God and you wanting to invite Him as your Lord and Savior. What you're saying is, God, forgive me and cleanse me and change me, renew me. If you're lifting up your hand, I want you to pray this prayer right now. Can you, can you continue lifting up your hand up high so that I can just acknowledge you? Those of you who are praying this prayer, those of you who want to receive Jesus Christ, lift up your hand right now. Yes. Lift up. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. You're the only one who's just declaring that before the Lord. It's between you and God. Just pray this prayer. In fact, I want to invite everyone to pray this out loud. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for giving your life as a ransom for me. I receive your forgiveness. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for inviting me and adopting me as a child of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.